Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Here on Hot Takes on a Plate, we explore the things that make us feel and how those feelings collide with food. And since um, I've just been feeling kind of all sorts of out of sorts lately, the world feels like it's it's falling apart. And I feel like the show's been a little negative, a little intense lately. So I think this is one of those ones where we should have a little fun. And when I want to have a little fun, I call in the food court jester. I call in Ali Khan. Uh, Ali like is one of those guys that, you know, you just bring him in when you don't really feel like working. He does the work for you. You just throw something at him. You, you wind him up and let him go. And then you just kind of get out of the way and, and let him do his thing. And, and Ali, I wanted to have you on because I, I, I know you got a new podcast new podcast what? This I, just, I want to be like you rob i yeah. want to join the club <laughs> and you know i just love giving attention to other podcasts that's what i do here i i've actually noticed the trend i just love having people on who who have quote-unquote competing podcasts and throwing all my listeners their way that's what i do i'm, I'm a benevolent soul like that but we'll, we'll definitely talk about the podcast in a minute um i wanted to talk to you today ollie about perfect pairings because i know a lot mm. of your podcast is about pairings and uh i just wanted to throw some things your way and 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 see what you think are the perfect pairings for the the various things i'm going to throw your way so this is well, just going to be I think stupid it's great silly fun. because uh technically i'm the guy who's supposed to only know about food and my co-host steve greer who's a sommelier and a bev industry dude he's the one who i go to for food so it's great I, another opportunity to show the world that i'm notoriously unqualified for pretty much anything and everything i'm, I'm down though well listen I think you're going to prove otherwise because I think you're going to have fun with these. I'm doing some reverse pairings here. So we're going to start with a mm. drink and then I need you to give me the perfect food to go with it. Go. So I'm ready. Give me the perfect food to pair with the beverage that just doesn't seem to go away. That, that I thought was the beverage of two summers ago that is still here and, and it's growing because everybody's copycatting it. And that is white claw. What is the what oh, what, what is what is it. the food that goes with White Claw? Well, I'm very proud to say that I've never drank White Claw, but I know enough of it to know that it basically is nothing with a little bit of booze. So you know what it is. I'm you know what it is. Think, you know what White yeah. Claw is. It is. It has become. I kid you not. My wife's happy juice. Like 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 what like my wife on White Claw is my favorite version of my wife. So, so, so I'm just going to throw that out there. So here's the real question. What's your favorite food? Cause I feel like we just have to parlay <laughs> her personality. Uh, I mean, I would say this, it strikes me as something, you know, it's fizzy. It seems like it's quenching. It seems like there's not that much alcohol in it. Um, I feel like I would want to chase down like a super spicy Penang curry with it. You know, like okay. there's probably more interesting beverages, but I'm almost thinking like, let, you know, there, there are certain foods, certain like, you know, Napa cab. I remember a guy telling me, Oh, I had a Napa cab and steak. And he goes, that cab probably beat up your steak. And I was like, yeah, it kind of did. Like, like they're both good things on their own, but together it didn't just work. But you know, again, Without being a white claw guy, but having some idea of it, I did drink Zima. I was gonna say so, 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 not to get you know too sideways here, but like I feel like Zima was just like too soon. Like Zima, like if Zima had come around now, 
and just called itself yeah. seltzer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think Zima, I, I, it's hard for me to say from a consumer thinking about the marketing world back in the 90s. But when you think about White Claw, you're talking about a post-Atkins world. Uh, I don't want to call it a post-diet fad world, but certainly a world where it's like, did you hear about this diet? Did you hear about that diet? And it's also the did you hear world, which means I Googled it and I saw it trending on freaking Twitter and blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, it's funny because I remember drinking Zima in high school, whatever, I'm 44, I can't go to jail now for that crime. But, um, you know, it was easier to drink than Bush. You know, I I, I, I pounded that six pack. Like I a love man. How, by the way, I love how how beers like are, at least they used to be. And they still are to an extent with craft beer, but there was such a regionality to beer. Like you just dropped Bush and you just outed yourself as being a guy from St. Louis. I, yeah. you know, like our cheap equivalent when I was in high school was, I remember I had a friend, I'm going to go full redneck now. I had a friend whose dad was a member of a gun club and he would get us into the gun club after hours. And I, I've never held a gun. There was, there were no playing with guns in the gun club. The reason we went is there was a pool table and there was a vending machine again, statue of limitations. There was a vending machine with beer in it and you could just That's put in so a dollar cool. and get a beer. And the beer we had was Genesee. Genesee was what our bush, but that's that, it's regional upstate New York, baby. Wow. That, yeah, Jen, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I've seen a lot of crappy beers over the years, um, but they came out of a, a vending machine that that's pretty epic. Um, oh, but very now, epic. you know, I, I, I think white claw, I think like just some crazy type. I'm thinking about Thai food. I'm thinking about like, Spicy and coconut milk. I'm thinking about even fish sauce. Just See, that actually that's makes like sense. So you're, you're really you're really looking at it from a culinary perspective because that that does make sense to me. I I think I'm gonna go more from a. I guess like a perception standpoint. And to me, I think I would pair White Claw with Domino's Pizza because to me, you're comparing basic with basic. You're pairing, you know, they're, they're, they're like, it's like the most basic food with the most basic beverage. But also two things that were maligned that now I feel like they're both kind of in that Guy Fieri sort of sphere where like they were kind of maligned and now have like kind of come around to being cool again. Like sometimes things get yeah, so beat up culturally that people go, wait a second, it's not that bad. That's actually pretty cool. So uh, I, I don't agree yeah. on the Domino's front. I think it's pretty garbage pizza. But anyway, some people do love it. So I, I think I'd go White Claw with Domino's. Domino's. Yeah. I, you know, I hear Domino's is, um, not, I mean, Dave Chang likes it. I yeah, haven't had sorry. it in a long no. time. Okay. Can we, okay. Like look, Dave Chang has some bad, Dave Chang has some bad food takes, like really bad food yeah, takes. Yeah. Like I yeah, saw that dude sure. say something about like, um, you want actually like a mealier, not as good tomato for like the perfect BLT. And it's like, get the heck out of here. Why would you like, like, just shut up, just shut up. Shut up. Yeah. That's that's I, I don't that's know stupid. why anyone I feel like if you had a mealy tomato, you'd basically want to turn it into like tomato paste. You'd want yeah, to cook it down and, and yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Let, me, let me give um, you one let me give you one that's up point. your wheelhouse. Let me give you one that's up your wheelhouse. Okay. Right. 
All right, so you're in Texas, you're in Austin, you, you eat plenty of barbecue. What is the perfect drink for Texas-style barbecue beef r- brisket? What is the perfect drink? And you can't say Lone Star. Well, you know, <laughs> if, if you, if you want to get – I'll throw this just – and it's weird because I haven't had this drink either, um, dog. Um, I wish, I wish people know, could see – hold on. I wish people could see – I need to reference what this dog is because right now what you are not seeing oh, nope. on a podcast is there is a puppy in Ali Khan's lap that is climbing up him. That like looks like he's like the the dog is using Ollie like Ollie's a ladder and is just working yeah. his way up him and it is pretty darn adorable. This is it's so funny. It's like I guess a cute face can get you far. Paris Hilton <laughs> and my dog clearly. Um, so there's a soda in Texas called Big Red. I've never had it, but I would be remiss not to at least bring up this very special regional drink. I don't really drink soda. I don't have a high holier than thou attitude to it. I just have, there's only so many calories. I'm going to a lot, but uh, you know, big red is, is, is a thing. And then I feel like, you know, whenever you're talking about a regional food, you're it's, it's that hot Texas sun, man. You know what I mean? Like you want to like take advantage of what, what this land, what this environment provides. <sighs> Brisket is interesting because half the year it's blazing hot. Like it is right now. I'm a whiskey guy. Brisket's tough, you know? So I could sit there and say, like, I'd have bourbon with it. The last thing I want to do is is drink bourbon right now. It's going to be, for me, a beer. And, look, I'm just going to go with, um, you know, I'll make Bush. it easy on myself. <laughs> no, no. I'm going to go with a craft beer, Hefeweizen. There's actually a beer called Live Oak. Okay, um, I one of the Hefeweizen. things I found here... You know, I've noticed like when it's summertime in Austin, which is half the year, and there's a great craft beer scene, and I love IPAs, but I just can't handle it. It's too hot. I can't handle the therapy stuff. A good craft Hefeweizen or Pilsner has enough body, enough of that, you know, beer jock hops that I'm like into, you know what I mean? But at the same time, it's not super, super heavy. And the brisket's really heavy. But I think brisket can stand up to whatever you like. It's just so powerful. It's just the weather thing. So, you know, um, I'm going to go with the craft Applewood. I can see that. Yeah, that makes sense. I also think maybe like a juicy IPA, you know, something that's like kind of fruit forward, something citrus forward. I love the way acid plays with rich beef. Like when I make a steak, Mm -hmm. I like using like a little bit of lemon in the pan. You know, if I'm Mm -hmm. I'm like doing like a like a cast iron seared steak, like I love the way acid sort of cuts through the richness of beef. That's why I think it's the idea of red wine with steak is kind of. I don't know. Like, I, I think the idea of white wine with steak makes a lot of sense, to be honest with you, because I want something acidic to go with that fattiness. You know, I, it's funny. I almost think, like, it's a, for me, when you talk about red wine and meat, red meat, red wine, red meat, I almost gravitate towards the red wine that I, honest to God, don't like on its own. It's always those red wines that, frankly, become more interesting when I have a bite of cheese that I would have with the steak. You know what I mean? But like when I'm chilling with a glass of red wine, you know, like a central coast Syrah kind of thing, 
And I'm no, I mean, I don't even, I barely drink wine anymore. I'm in Texas. It's really, really hot. I like whiskey and beer, but I, I did drink wine for a while. There's just red wines that people make all over that you just have on its own. Like it's not meant to have food really there. I mean, you can argue it, but it's like, I just think about that weird European, like you might like those super Tuscan wines where they're like, isn't it great? And I'm like, not really. But then I have some food and I'm like, oh, and I'm, and I'm drilling through the glass, you know, like the food makes the wine work. So and then conversely, I feel like with cocktails, like, like I love a good Negroni, but I don't really pair food with a Negroni. Like I kind of want that yeah. on my own, on its own, you know? You know, that's why when I said bourbon and brisket, because brisket is probably Central Texas brisket, like from the craft place. So the super juicy, fatty, crazy bark brisket. That stuff is so strong. It's so strong that I don't eat it very often. You can't eat it every day. It's like too much. It's like smoking a cigar. It's enough. That's probably one of the few things where I'm like, you know, it's like you have a brisket, it blows away everything in your mouth. You have the bourbon, it blows everything away in your mouth. And you just go back and forth, back and forth. It's like smoking blunt. We're not, we're not pulling any punches here. We're going to get ripped. When the, when, when the night is over, you will be hammered. That's, that's how I Ali feel about talk. I never thought when I had you on to talk about pairings that you would talk about smoking blunts. Wow. This is, this is this is why he's here, everybody. This is why he's here. Is there Let's anything worse? Everyone uses the vape pen now. It's all is, about the is there pen. anything worse than the way your mouth tastes the day after you've smoked a cigar? Is there anything worse? Yes. Well, there's something that hurts just as bad. Smoking a blunt. That's usually <laughs> it's usually the next day, and it's been a long time. I think the last time. Uh, this is what's great about never not no longer being on contract with, with the network is like you don't have to worry about oh my god am I gonna get tough? Um, it was twenty and also weed's like basically legal. But uh, I remember it was twenty sixteen the last time I had a blunt. I remember the next day like <laughs> like throat. I was like I hurt. Why does that hurt? And I'm like blunt. <laughs> you know cause you just you know you didn't you know you know it, it is a cigar and you're inhaling it. Very no, bad. I I love I I can I can relate to the uh, not under contract anymore. I mean, hell, I just got to write in Esquire, you know, for Esquire, I got to write "Don't be a dick" in you know on, on the internet, and that's not something I could have ever said when I was under contract doing a TV show. So, um, it and is it nice to have that freedom. Pieces, well, thank by you. By the way, thank I you. shared that. I read that. I actually, first of all, I here's a hot take. I actually read it. How often does that <laughs> happen? A Thank God it was for Esquire, not Washington Post. I read it, and I could read it right away on my phone. Duh. And I sent it straight to my wife, who worked in, you know, in hospitality as a bartender, waitress, manager for many, many, many years, lots of different restaurants. And it's just something that really, really resonates. And it's just an attitude shift of like, oh, did you know that times are hard? You know? Like, yeah, right. I had to do, you know, I had to do the... Uh, probably the most first world thing I could say, but I had to do curbside vet yesterday for my new puppy. And they're like, we're sorry, we're running behind. I'm like, that's cool. COVID and yeah. stage five, end of the world, Afghanistan. Yeah. I will, I will look at my iPhone 12 pro max with air conditioning. It's cool. And they were like, well, thanks for understanding. I'm like, yeah, it's easier to just, let's just, let's just be cool. The world becomes a much easier place. Exactly. I actually, my favorite thing about that, that the response to that article was, uh, 
I, I love when, when you, you don't, you, it's just amazing when you put things out into the world, like who it touches and what, what comes back to you. And you never know. I mean, the world just feels so big. Sometimes even when you're doing things for a big publication or a big network, you wonder like who's watching, who's listening. And then like somebody famous or semi-famous responds and you're like, whoa, like that's cool. Amanda Freitag commented on my Instagram and started following me. And I'm like, and she's like, this is great. And I'm like, that's awesome. Thank you. Like, like, like I'm sure you've had that experience where somebody gets in your Instagram or like, you know, you find out that somebody, you know, that you you're like, kind of like, wow. Like, like, I'm sure you've had that experience before. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Amanda's probably one of those people who frankly engages with me on social media. And I'm just like, wow, that's really cool. I mean, it, you know, it's funny. It's like, you just don't know what it's like uh, in someone else's skin. And you always think the grass is always greener. So, I mean, depending on who you are, like if you're humble, like I would wager you and I both are, you're kind of like, oh, wow, I can't believe this person. But, you know, there are people too, and they deserve to be supported. Actually, it's interesting. Amanda had a horrible um, uh, experience on Twitter with someone just saying garbage. Mm. Uh, I think we all reported it because it was like, this is, you know, like it was violent, you know, it was, it was just ugly yeah. as could be. And you look at that and then, you know, she was, I think, very grateful to all the people who supported her and stuff. And you're just like, yeah, you know, we're all people, you know what I mean? And we all care about things. And, uh, but Hey, you know, I, it's all because you hit the nerve, you know, and it's a great piece. So again, great job because it's true, man. You know, like, how do you want to be in this, insane polarized world you know you want to sit in the chair and point the finger or do you want to like help out you know and this thank is you and, and i love where by the way i love how we're, we're talking about this but we're giving it no context whatsoever it's like we're just having a private conversation um i uh well, if uh if anyone cares to understand what we are talking about i wrote a piece for esquire uh basically saying like you know the the rules of, of dining out have changed in covid and and, you know, you might want to think about a few things before you go out and have your next meal. And if you are interested in reading it, it is in my Instagram bio. If you go to my Instagram at Rob Patron TV, uh, you can go there and you can read about not being a dick. Uh, anyway, Ollie, next thing I want to bring up to you with pairings. This one's different. This is not alcohol. This is not food. I mean, it is food, but it's not pairing food mm. with, with drink. I want to talk to you about temperature. Specifically, uh, the perfect temperature yeah. to cook pizza or to bake, I guess. Technically, oh, pizza. so so okay. So so I've got this uni oven now. I've been playing with. Um, you know, most people they they Jealous. when they make when they make pizza, they they make it in their home oven. You know, that might get up to four fifty, maybe five hundred. Uh, yeah. If you go to a pizzeria and they have a what, what we call a deck oven, a gas oven, you know, that might get five hundred or or ish. Um, probably not much hotter than that. And then of course you, you get into your, your gas assist ovens, your wood fired ovens, your coal ovens, and those can range six, seven, eight, nine hundred, sometimes even a thousand degrees cooking in under a minute. So I'm curious, Ollie, what, what you think is, I've done a lot of thinking about this, the perfect temperature to cook a pizza at. You know, it's interesting because I have in more recent years, gotten into the Neapolitan pie. And I love the char that comes from a high temp wood burning oven. So if you're talking about high temp for me, it has to be wood burning. I like the smoke. 
I'm pretty sure my dog is chewing on plastic. We're just going to ride that out of it. Give me this thing. <laughs> Jesus, he destroyed. This is all that's Oh, my God. Your dog and my dog them. would be best friends. My dog loves to take a toy, tear it apart, get to the plastic center, and just leave shreds everywhere. That's his thing. My dog also likes <sighs> to, when it's bedtime, he will get in bed with us, then leave bed and bring back a stuffy to bring to bed. <laughs> I, I, no joke. You know what? I... I I know we're all over the place, but hold it's fine. I have a, I, I have a stuffy too. I have my teddy from when I was two. Ah, geez, no nipping. We're not training the dog right now. So you asked about pizza temperature. <laughs> um, this is hard because not all char tastes delicious. Um, I'm very partial to the New Haven pie as well. Oh, so I want to say, without baby. being a pizza chef. Um, I want to go for, I want to get to possibly around 900. Okay. You know, I, I do like that high temp. I, again, I'm a Neapolitan guy. I do like the wood burning stuff. And this is just a new discovery for me. Like I, for me, pizza was like, I want sausage and pepperoni or one or the, the other. You know, I'm yeah, Midwestern. But now I'm like team margarita. It's delicious. Like when I have a pie that's that simple and, and, and makes me love things that I don't think about initially. Like for me, like, ooh, let's make steak. That's a Saturday night dinner. Well, now I'm 44, Rob. I'm bored. You know, like my palate, my brain might say steak. My palate's like, oh, well. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I want to have the other stuff. So, and I love to eat the crust. So, I like it a good char. Um, I've been watching some of the Portnoy stuff too, and just seeing those pieces. Um, so, yeah, I want to say nine hundred. I mean, I want one of those ovens that you have, by the way, big time. Um, but yeah, yeah, and especially if there's wood in there too. But yeah, I'm 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 into the third. I mean, it's just funny because it's not everything. But I, I like I said, I've been into crust. I like a good char. So I won't go hot. Go 900. Okay. Look, take it to 900. Okay. I, a couple things. One, um, I, I love a wood burning oven, but I will say you can get just as hot with gas and I don't think it really affects the flavor. I do think what the wood gives you is it gives you the aroma, which yeah. does technically affect the flavor, I guess, because you, when you smell things, it does change the way it tastes. Um, that's science from what I understand or so I've heard. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I, I, I would have answered about 900 if you asked me this a couple of years ago. And I have actually changed my thoughts on this. So because I think you get different results doing different things. And I think when you get so so here's the thing, when you get to that 900, you do get that leoparding, you get that char, which is great, but you you really can't develop a whole lot of crispness, you know, you'll get a, a fluffier, chewier, because there's just not there's not enough time. Mm. So yeah. if you want to get crisp. But you also want to get some 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 color on it. I think that six fifty area where it's it's hotter wow, than it's hotter than a deck start. oven. So you're gonna get a little bit of that 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 nice sort of brownish hue to it. You know that that sort of rustic kind of 
that mm. that crust. But but you're also not gonna you're not gonna you know completely dry it out. And I I think right. that 650 is where you get that. I've been experimenting with my uni, and I've been lowering the temperature and getting better results. Like because and then because what I was doing again, I'm an amateur hack here. I'm working on it. But like when I was at 900, I get the minute that crust would get to that char where you don't want to go any further because then you burn it. In areas, it was still a little doughy on the inside. And by lowering mm, the yeah. temperature, it gives it more time in the oven. It's a more even cook. For so even I, cook. Yeah, so I think something that's hotter than your home oven, definitely, but maybe not quite that 900. I think that 900 is a nice special occasion thing, but I think if you're looking for that balance, I think 650 is is that sweet spot. Yeah, it's, I think it's, again, it's that black char that's also edible. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't trust myself with a 900-degree oven. I will say, though, to your point, one of the things I've been discovering recently is, you know, with grilling, because I do a fair amount of grilling or whatever, um, and I do build a bit of a live fire, and there's, you know, methods to the madness, of course, but it is a bit unpredictable. But, you know, one of the problems with building a live fire is you've got to you got to build it. You got to put in the time, put in the fuel and stuff like that. And you have a gas grill or a pan, you just crank it up to a bazillion flick of the wrist and you're good to go. What I found is I've made really good steaks on not the most intense, intense fire. Like I've kind of gradually, not super long, but in a more medium heat setting, had a really nice tear without getting that black, but that deep, brown um well kind of like kind of like a medium uh, or light coffee hue yeah but you know, you know so what, you brown see, yeah but what black. you're getting at is and i'm glad you said that I, I think what you're getting at is how we all face in the food world these these sort of known dogmas that this is how you do it damn it and you can't do this and you can't do that and you must do this and you must do that and it becomes like people just parrot this crap without actually cooking and when you start to cook you realize Actually, that's kind of bullshit. Like it's it's actually not like true. Like like you know, there was a period where we were all told you can't put soap on a cast iron pan or the world will end. And then somebody yeah. realized, oh, actually, you, you kind of can. And now it's like now that the wisdom has come around, and it's like, yeah, of course you can put soap on it. It's fine. It won't kill it. You know, like. But there's these things that that we're we're told so often that are just kind of baloney. Yeah, well, it's interesting, too. Like, it's not even that it's, like, some sort of supposed absolute truth. But I love how you but said the world's going to end. Yeah. Yeah, like, well, it's the thing. It's like, it's like, oh, God, what's going to happen? And, I mean, I was one who was like, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to watch Cast Iron. I had my pants still working. And, in fact, I think it's the one thing that social media is actually, one of the few things that's actually a positive thing is I can literally send a message to Lodge, uh, Lodge Cast Iron and ask the question, and I'm getting it right from the horse's mouth. And the funny thing is, is my pan, like, it still works. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it may not look gigantically pretty, but everything I'm trying to do to my cast iron pan right now is just for an aesthetic look. Like, it's a $150 pan, when the truth is, it's just a pan that does the job I need to do. Um, but yeah, Absolutely. it's funny. I found this with steering stakes. I was trying to go for a look that would look good on Instagram like a filter and it wasn't about like no this tastes better you know um i actually saw my instagram right now you can look at it i was cooking steaks in the jersey shore these tomahawks that not miraculously they were tomahawks so 
I had a huge, crazy grease fire, but I was also wanting to char them and they charred too much. The steaks were fine. People loved eating them because I sliced them up and yeah. all that. And, you know, it was on the plate. It was great. But I know that it, the, the char was too much, you know, like you don't, you know, I think like I have one of these Traegers and one of the things that is good about it is that slow, even cook. I think right. slow, even cook is what's applying to your pizza. And like I said, but I yeah, think people, like, you know, I, I, whenever I make pizza, everybody's like, it's phenomenal. It's great. And it's like, yeah, but I know the subtle differences. Like, you know, your subtle differences, your tomahawk steak, everybody enjoyed it. I don't think they were lying, but you know, the difference. Well, yeah, I'll tell you this though. It's, uh, and who knows? <laughs> I've I had steak at, uh, the family member's house and I'm like, yes, I mean, it wasn't bad, but I was like, it, it is kind of funny to me. Like, I'm sure when you're making your pizza, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're going through the effort. It's an effort to make pizza, right? If I'm going to get a tomahawk steak, like, yeah, it's going to be like a $60 thing or whatever. And, uh, I'm like, well, it's cheaper in a restaurant, but it's funny how some people will be like, Oh God, that steak is so expensive. I'm like, you go out to eat all the time. Don't even, I mean, I went to the Acme. It's cheap. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just a supermarket steak. That's like three pounds. Well, listen, um, Ollie, before we go, I want to hear about the, the new podcast. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, it's called Eat This, Drink That. Uh, myself and Steve Greer, who's a longtime friend, he's a sommelier, he uh, is a beverage industry guy. I, I met him working uh, booze in LA at a number of retail shops. Uh, now he works for a label. Uh, it all started with this conversation of, um, you know, like, man, what'd you eat today? Oh, you should try drinking it with this. I mean, Literally, in this 15-year conversation we've had. So I wanted to take that, put it into a podcast format, navigate the world of craft beer, which is such a big deal, and bourbon. And, and really, ultimately, a, a big part of it was wine. Because, uh, you know, I'm always looking for a wine that, you know, what's really hard for me is, like, you get this wine. You get a good bottle of wine. And you know what it says when you read about it? We'll be good in 2040. And I'm like, seriously? What about right now? <laughs> and then if you want to try and get a blind that's good right now, it probably costs a lot. Or I just wanted to kind of figure things out a little bit and kind of apply what I found about cheap eats, which is like, you know, this is a this is an everyday kind of food. Uh, I wanted to figure out everyday drink or more importantly, understand why some things are the way they are. And like on our last episode, um, they drop every Friday on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, and on Spotify, on Spotify, we did an interesting pairing. We we talked about burgers, and uh, on our Instagram live to promote the episode, I got my ultimate In-N-Out burger order, which I swear is amazing, and you need to try it sometime. But I had it with a $35 Lambic beer. It's basically mm. a wine bottle, 750 milliliter. Um, to be honest, it was even better with the French fries, but... It literally was one of the more fascinating meals I've had. Was hmm. first of all, I never have in and out with beer. You should. Why not? And it was cool to have this five dollar awesome burger, certainly awesome for five bucks, with this, you know, not end of the world like, oh my God, I won't be able to pay my rent booze. But so it was just a really interesting thing. And uh Lambics are known to be fruity. This was not a fruity beer at all, it was a Belgian one. Um, amazing with French fries. Like if you ever get your hands on a Belgian lambic that's not fruit, um, try it with like a calamari frito, you know, like Frito Misto. Or if you get French calamari. fries, dip the French fries yeah. in mayo. Hell yeah. I mean, 
always. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm no, no. a Mayo guy. Hey, hey, listen, listen, Ollie. Thank you so much for for coming on. Uh, Eat this, drink that is the podcast. I I have always said. The advice I always give people with wine, because I know wine can be intimidating, is just if you, you find find a good wine shop and then just go in and say, like, this is what I'm eating tonight. What should I get? Just this, there. If you find the right wine shop, you know, I'm not talking about the one with the bars in the window, you know, that's got the white claw on display, bringing it full circle. Uh, I'm talking about <laughs> like, you know, like a reputable wine shop, you know, where they know what they're talking about. Just, just ask them. They'll, they'll, they'll pick it out for you, and you're, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Now, uh, a good wine shop. It's out there. It's totally out there. Well, especially if you live in a Williamsburg, Brooklyn, like or, you or, do. I don't live in Williamsburg, but uh, no, adjacent, I, adjacent. No, no, I, 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 okay. I don't get much into Williamsburg. I, Cobble Hill, buddy. Cobble Hill. Actually, this summer I'm in the Poconos. Okay, the Poconos. Uh-huh. Second home, everybody. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, listen, since you segued, if you want to stay in my home, you know, I'm on Airbnb and VRBO, baby. House in the Woods, it's called. Go to House in the Woods PA, or as everybody calls it, House in the Woods Spa. House in the Woods PA on Instagram. You can stay in my home. I got I got availability in September. It's nice. Anyway, right. Ollie can see I'm there right. right now. I got a basketball hoop yeah. behind me. Papa shot. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. that's like yeah, this is the basement. Yeah, you're not you apartment right no, now. Are no, you? no, 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 no. The Poconos, the next Hamptons. No, it's not the next Hamptons, but it's fun. It's, it's the it's next. Nature. I like it's that. Nature. It's nature. Hamptons. Ollie, thank you so much, and thank you for listening to Hot Takes on a Plate, which is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out at bleav.com. Ollie is getting attacked by a puppy in the background. Also, check me out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Rob Patron TV. Will Ali Khan get bitten by this dog while I do this outro? He might. I'm not sure. So uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm praying for you, Ali. <laughs> Until next time, crazy. I'm Rob Patron. Oh, Ciao. He did it. He bit. <laughs>